visit the Downtown Den, join us through our website, all the W's, downtowninbusiness.com. Stay in, stay safe, visit the Downtown Den. Good afternoon, I'm Paul Cadman. I'm the chairman of Downtown in Business Birmingham. Welcome to the Den. We have an excellent uh, guest today in the form of Dr. Ben Sinclair. Dr. Ben Sinclair is a private practice GP, also has a number of services to offer within his business. His business is Optimise Health Clinic and he's based in Birmingham. Dr. Ben, can you just introduce yourself to our audience? Hi there, everybody. Uh, I'm Dr. Ben. Uh, so I run a private GP practice in Birmingham. Uh, we're now fully video and we offer a whole range of services to help busy people uh, keep at the top of their game, make sure they're staying well and avoiding any uh, disease or illness that is preventable. Um, and uh, we're now um, fully video for all of our services. Um, we were providing these services from the centre of Birmingham until uh, a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, obviously, with the COVID-19 outbreak and things like that. So let, let's address that firstly. So we are fully aware of everybody that's on Facebook. We're fully aware of everybody's aunt, uncle, the guy who stacks the trolleys as that, <laughs> all suddenly being an expert on COVID-19, yeah. you know, yeah. medical practices and things like that. Genuinely, while we've got you in the den, can we just ask you your opinion on COVID-19? Can we ask your advice? Sure. And really strategically, you know, obviously you're at the end of a phone, you've highlighted that, that you're now on video call and things like that. So that mm. service is there, but just give us your snapshots of, of the opinion. And I think what's interesting is if we date stamp this, which is not what we normally do, it is yeah. the 2nd of April 2020. Mm. Okay, mm. so what you're telling us today may obviously differ and change over the next week or two. Okay. And, uh, yeah, thank you, Paul. And things have changed over the past couple of weeks quite rapidly. So I think it's important to acknowledge that advice has, has changed quite a bit. Um, initially, I actually felt that we should be self-isolating sooner. Uh, so I turned the whole clinic into a video consultation clinic and um, took my kids out of school a week before the government began that shutdown process. And I've always felt that actually social isolation is the most important thing we can do here because uh, we don't know enough about this virus to treat it. Uh, we knew that it was very virulent and it's very contagious. And so the only way to stop the spread was to get people indoors, in, in their homes, avoiding contact or travel. So um, first off, I want to say I'm really pleased that we're all actually isolating because it's what we should have been doing a few weeks before. Even though there's a massive impact on business and individual personal lives, um, it's the only way to slow down that spread. So um, my, my, my opinion is really that um, we have to be really careful about um, who we're contacting and uh, and also our own personal hygiene hand washing uh, is is the mainstay uh, when i go out i wear a mask and i do put on gloves because although they're not as pro um, protective as washing your hands i put gloves on i throw them away and then i wash my hands and my face uh, when i've come back in if i've had to go for a pharmacy uh, there's some there's some different opinion on the face masks uh yesterday yeah. Going backwards, the, the general advice was that face masks wasn't worth it, what a waste of time. Actually, overnight and today, it's unfolding that the advice seems to be drifting towards face masks are beneficial. What's your opinion on that? It's interesting. I've always felt that face masks have been under 
valued in our culture that if you look at places like Hong Kong, Singapore, people wear face masks on a, on a regular basis to protect themselves from particulate matter. Now, the question is, how effective are face masks? And it does depend what face mask you're using. So, uh, but to be honest, I would reckon anything that does, does cover your mouth and nose at a time like this is worth trying. I think there's a lot of confusion between the effectiveness and whether there's any benefits. And I think any benefit, there's a fair bit of evidence suggests that where they do use masks, there's less transmission. So any benefit is definitely worth trying. Whether in the medical context, a face mask will stop you getting COVID-19, um, there's, there's less confirmed evidence that that is the case because doctors and nurses who are still wearing full kit are still getting it, which just shows to me how virulent it is. So I think if you have a face mask, wear it. This seems to be not an airborne uh, infection now. The WHO have confirmed that it is actually droplet, which means people coughing and sneezing onto you is the main form of, of, of uh, infection. You picking it up either on a surface or let's say a piece of paper it can stay there for 24 hours. It can stay on a surface for 72 hours on hard surfaces. So um, you then touch those surfaces and you might touch your eyes, mouth, nose, and that the virus is transmitted that way. So I think masks are still valid, especially for people who have the virus. It stops them transmitting it to other people. So I, I've always felt masks are beneficial. You're, you're an advocate of masks. I, I am, yeah. And I think um, I kind of, I kind of think anything is worth trying in this environment okay. um anything that will reduce the spread is worth trying because we're talking about protecting people from dying there's a high death rate of people who get this in certain categories we have to protect them i'm i might be okay because i'm young and fit and healthy although i have asthma but it's, it's well controlled um but other people with chronic disease you know they they aren't going to be so lucky and we're gonna probably all know somebody who's affected uh in this in this current Crisis. Well, we've you know, it started to come up in the press now about people dying. If we'd have said last week, you know, anybody one that's got it or two that's passed away, the, the answer would probably be no, but that's going to become more and more prolific as, as we go through. I think, from my point, just to go through the history of this, it yeah. was around China that we think it was originated from. Yeah, and we now think if you're looking at research and things like that, it was towards the end of October, November, yeah, and not the end of the year. So that no, kind of yeah. a few months of us. We're looking at about three monthly sort of cycles, aren't we, for countries to get mm -hmm. hold of it, to get to groups with this, and for yeah. numbers to start reducing, which doesn't yeah. mean that we're out the woods. It just means no. that, that really the measures that are in place in the countries are, are kind of taking control of this. Now, yeah. we, we haven't got to the peak in the UK, have we? Not at Can all. Can you elaborate on that? I, I'm, I'm not an epidemiologist, Paul, but I'll do my best. Sure. So, um, from what I understand, I don't think we've certainly uh, even begun to encounter the peak. I think uh, some of the measures have potentially flattened the curve. Places like London, where there was massive mixing, no restrictions early on, and they had a, a, an earlier infection, are beginning to become full up, which is why you're seeing the XL being turned into a 4,000 bed respiratory department. Um, but I think um, there is this cycle. Italy seems to be getting on top of it now. Um, I think um, we are... It's, it's hard to say where we are. It's, it's more regional rather than a whole country. Okay. Because this is, this is actually regional epidemics. Um, Wolverhampton was second outside London to pick up and have quite a spike in cases. And it, it usually is one or two people who are super infected who then infect everybody else. And suddenly you get a massive spike in an area, which then overwhelms that hospital in that particular area. So, so really, I think um, uh, 
we're, we're hand seeing the half of it. I'm, I'm afraid to say, I think these restrictions may last longer than, than just the, the three week lockdown. And um, it really depends on how people respond and how careful they are as to um, how long this will go on. Uh, I, I was disappointed when people in London were still socialising things. There's a lot in the press about that. I think people now have got to grips with the social isolation. And I drove to Wakefield for a, I work in prison as a doctor and I had to go in at a shift at the weekend because they were, they were short. Drove to Wakefield and the M1, I was the only car for miles. Back to the 19, back to the 1970s. Okay, well, I, so. wasn't, I wasn't driving in the 70s, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. well, let's, um, it, so if we, we hold the COVID-19 discussions at this point, just to say that you're a downtown business member, obviously you're open to do general practice, you're contactable online, you know, you're ready there to give advice to anybody. That's good. But let's, let's take it back to talk about you and talk about your practice. Why yeah. have you got, decided to come into private practice? And why, uh, well, second question is, why did you do that in Birmingham? Interesting. So um, I've always done a mixture of um, private, private work and, and NHS work. And I still work for the NHS in prison at the moment. Um, I, um, in about 2012, started doing some work in the financial sector when I was living in Yorkshire with banks and um, finance houses up there who wanted screening medicals. Uh, so I worked with some of the banks, Best Direct and some WC, for example, helping to offer them access to screening medicals. And then uh, that then morphed into um, actually setting up a private practice in York um, with a non-clinical colleague, uh, which was a full practice. Um, then um, for personal reasons and family reasons, we moved to Birmingham uh, in 2018 and naturally uh, private practice is my bread and butter so I looked for a place where it's going to be suitable and the city centre being a sort of high density uh, working population I felt was under under resourced with private um, uh, clinics and so we, we chose there so we have two sites one in the Colmore building for that building and one in um, Cornwall building just off Newton Street which we, uh, we tend to attract a lot of uh, financial legal type people so we have a lot of lawyers who we look after People who are that busy that they haven't got time to get to their NHS GP and struggle to get through that system. Um, and, um, okay, yeah. so what, um, what are you, your USPs compared to your normal GP? Um, first of all, we try to treat people really um, as, as a, an individual rather than population medicine. So we'll deal with the person in front of us rather than just saying, right, everyone of this age has to have a statin. We'll say, let's look at you and say what's your risk what have you done it means you might have to have a statin or not so um we tend to be very very personalized and we offer the time and the relationship to do that so we talk about that good old-fashioned uh, gp relationship that you might have had in the old days uh, combined with cutting edge technology and research to give you the best possible health advice and deliver it to you in a convenient way so we always have same day access uh we can always fit you in on the day if you call we actually we run a, um, uh, a lower occupancy rate so that we can do that because we know that if, if you're a, a top business person and something happens, you just want to get to see the doctor, get in. We, we are there for that. We're waiting for you. Okay. And I, and I think from my personal uh, perspective, obviously I've been to you and I've been treated by you and things like that. And the service is, is bizarrely good because it's not what we're used to because I'm used <laughs> to phoning my GP 
between a certain time, getting an appointment in about three weeks' time when yeah. <laughs> pretty much whatever the problem is has gone. I contacted you and you'll say like, yeah, well, I've got a slot in two hours' time. Do you want to pop in and see me in exactly. two hours' time? Exactly. I'm sitting there, I'm talking to you and I'm talking to you a better service and a, and a different lot of mindset towards treating patients than my mm. doctor has. Mm. And I think mm. to, to pick up on your point about certain demographics and age and things like that, my GP has got a mindset of treating me in a certain way. You treat me individually and you've treated me particularly well. So for me, it's a personal endorsement, but clearly that's not what we're here for Glad today. To hear it's worth. But yeah, <laughs> just tell us a, a, a snapshot of some yeah. of the other services that you know that you offer as well. Well, we we run an integrated health model, so we look at um, biological, psychological, sociological, spiritual factors. So, part of our team, the first thing we did was introduce uh, psychologists. So we have video um, availability for psychology appointments because we know that 60, 70 percent of most health conditions is mental health is psychologically based. So, even if you have a let's say pain for example, um, you're gonna have higher levels of pain if your mental health is worse. So if we can deal with the mental, we're gonna be better off uh, in, in all aspects. And we know that stress is the biggest cause of these. So if we can deal with the mental side, that's really powerful. So um, the first thing we introduced was a, a psychologist alongside our GPs. We also have GPs who do minor surgery, uh, facial aesthetics, we specialise in weight management, so that might be sort of avoiding weight gain or promoting weight loss. And we also have a new menopause clinic because we know that women are working through the menopause in work. There's a really intrusive set of symptoms that can really affect their ability to well. And um, there isn't a menopause clinic, as far as we're aware, that's operating in the city centre of Birmingham. So we're offering that convenience as well. Uh, we have a nutritionist because uh, one of the big things we measure on is nutrition. And diet and lifestyle is so important. It underpins everything that our health is going to be made of. We, we are what we eat and what we do. So it really matters. So we've got a great nutritionist um, who can help with people <coughs> all around there, what they're eating, how they're eating, why they're eating. There's a lot of psychology in that too. Um, so that's just a flavour of these different services that we offer. And every time we come across something that we uh, we identify as an issue, we'll try and build a service to meet that. But uh, just to say, we also have a great set of associates who are people who we prefer to refer to, who we've got personal experience of using. So osteopaths, podiatrists, uh, dentists, you name it, those kind of things. We really want to be a, a source of excellent care and, and we'll guide our patients towards wherever they can find that. So if, if you've got a scan and you to have it in London, we'll book it for you in London. Uh, we'll find three places if you're in Dublin or wherever the point is we can we can get you what you need really conveniently and and hopefully minimum interruption to your day okay so what's is, is the business that you've got optimize help is that a franchisable model are you going to roll this out all across the UK yeah we're looking to we chose Birmingham as a, as, as a test bed so we spent a year 2019 really developing our our methodology which is backed up by our own software and um, and actually it's quite agile so it, it could be done anywhere we're looking to migrate to most of the major cities in the uk over time uh there's a small interruption at the moment called covid19 but i think after that i think you know there'll be uh, a lot of people yeah that's a small point and the other yeah, thing small. tell us what tell us what you're doing for students because you're looking at the student market yeah. you've understood that birmingham's got a large demographic of students and you yeah. see that there's you know you specialized and unique sort of issues around students absolutely and i'm, I'm doing 
some um, live events uh, streaming for students on mental health every Wednesday at one o'clock um, for BCU, um, which really, um, uh, mental health is a massive issue for the students. So what we're trying to do is um, help these guys to have the best habits they can now, so that when they enter the job market, they'll perform well for a whole career and, and be happy for the whole of that career. So um, bearing in mind, they are tomorrow's professionals we're trying to look after them now so they as part of their studies they develop good habits now and part of that is this mental health uh sort of building um their own personal kind of um, foundations for good mental health and um, so i'm looking forward to those events yeah so uh, treating them with stis alcoholism and stress and everything else that students traditionally have but they don't seem to have these days apparently no, no. so that's live streaming on a wednesday wednesday Wednesdays. afternoon uh, Wednesdays at one o'clock and we're also doing live streaming events every Tuesday and Thursday during the lockdown um, about basically things that are going to be useful to our clients so working from home what we tend to do is we'll have someone who's an expert we'll join them interview them so on Tuesday we've got one with a health ergonomist all about yeah. setting up your home office to make sure that you're not you're not going to get back pain neck pain uh, and and just discussing how you're going to work at home well how you succeed at working at home and um, how would we find these live streaming where are they um, we are going to put them out on our socials, um, so you could um, follow us on um, on Facebook. It's Optimized Health Clinic uh, on LinkedIn. It's me, Dr. Ben Sinclair, or Optimized Health Clinic. Um, we're also on Twitter, on Instagram, Optimized Health Clinic, um, and we're going to put out a link there, which you can just click on and, and join the feed. Um, so it's going to be one o'clock on Tuesdays, um, middle of the week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of these feeds. And are you going to? Are you leading all of those yourself personally? I'm leading them, but I'm doing them in conjunction with experts. So um, we've got our nutritionist doing one. We do another one on on specifically mental health and business uh, for entrepreneurs and SMEs or people who are needing to really keep their mental health tip top in business, not just students. Uh, doing another one on spiritual health. We've got a vicar who's coming on to help us just identify what it is that we can do to bolster our spiritual health at a time like this. Uh, and we'll keep we'll keep uh, bringing in more experts as we go. Okay, I mean, that, that, that's excellent service and obviously that's free of charge and that's just out there yep. as a gesture of goodwill from you, Absolutely. which is fabulous. Okay, so what's the future for your business? Who, who are you going to include in the business? What more services? You know, where do you, we, we talked about franchising it, we talked about it taking yeah. it out there, but what else is on the horizon for you? On the horizon, what we, re we really love to do is partner with uh, businesses who want to improve the health of their entire staff. So there may be a tiered approach from the top down, uh, whether there's partners in the business who need a particular 24 access with me on call or one of our doctors who's their preferred doctor, um, down to maybe the middle middle rungs where people need proper proper screening medicals, but not just a tick box thing where they get some tests every year and they never read the report, something that actually makes a difference to their performance. So we're, really, we're looking to roll that out across the country. And a lot of our clients already have offices in London, Manchester, Birmingham. So we're already dealing with their team then we're hoping to, to launch a clinic in Manchester this year. Okay so let, let, let's put this in perspective. If I've got a business, if I'm uh, head of a law firm and I've got yeah. 50 lawyers working for me, pretty mm. stressful job, pretty you know Very. awkward you know unsociable hours, yeah. just pre-screening screening and, and looking at the outcomes for that, is that going to add financial benefit to my company? Is it going well, to improve performance and so on? Sorry go on. That's fine. No, so, so we're we're all into performance. So what we find is that once someone has um, 
an appointment or a medical with us that rapidly they identify what the key areas for them uh, to improve their performance are. Uh, they're generally happier once they've put these in place. They generally lose some weight and they generally reduce their risk of, of disease. And that means they're reducing their risk of absence from work. So immediately there's going to be a knock on, on, on benefit of absence. Uh, there's also a knock on on presenteeism, which is bad for the rest of the team. So uh, we generally help people to get the boundaries right as well. So if you're a top lawyer and you want to optimize your team, um, we use kind of a health coaching model to um, help everybody basically be their best they can be, but from a health perspective, which is integrated. So it's not just what you're eating or what you're taking medicine wise, it's how are you uh, boundaring your time? You know, what are you doing about stress? And um, you know, what are you really suffering from? Because a lot of people are carrying mental health problems or addictions that are sort of low level. Some of these things are really picked up recently because they're being isolated uh, and that they're, they're flaring up because they haven't got their usual coping strategy, which is work. Okay, so I'm a classic example of that because obviously, you know, I tear around, I've got probably six or eight different jobs involved in many different companies and I can't sit still. If I go on holiday for two weeks, guaranteed, towards yeah. the end of the first week, I'll start yeah. feeling unwell. And in the second week, I will definitely be unwell. Yeah. So I imagine there's a lot of people out there with a similar sort of mindset and, and lifestyle to me. What Absolutely. would be your, you know, your immediate few tips now just to guide me and guide everybody tips. else? Yeah, a few tips now. I think this applies to people on furlough as well, by the way. So I think, you know, um, yeah. if we're talking about extended periods away from, from work, the key thing is to maintain a routine, whether it's... Uh, you know, got some element of, of uh, cerebral um, stimulation or physical exercise. Uh, it's important to maintain a routine and not and to avoid excesses on holiday because the danger is we think everything's on holiday. I can take a week off from everything, but in the evidence, a, a, a week off, i.e., if you if you binge on everything for a week, it actually has a detrimental effect on you for months afterwards. So it's really worth maintaining yourself but also being kind to yourself on holiday. So not expecting too much from yourself um, mentally or physically. And um, I would build into that holiday some therapeutic activity, whether it's a holiday or just a furlough. Um, so I'm encouraging a lot of people to take up a new hobby or maybe start building something or making something, something they've always wanted to do. And um, I often do that with time off. So I'm actually making a new tree house for my kids at the moment because uh, I've been meaning to do that ever since I moved to Birmingham. And I've never quite got there. So I think if you've got an idea like that, something creative and out, outlet for that, um, that, that can be really helpful to give you some purposeful activity alongside, of course, leisure and enjoying time with friends and family. That's really important, too. But um, it may be that you're, if you're physically uh, struggling to do that kind of thing, you might find solace in something like um, as simple as maybe knitting or something sedentary if you can't be that active. Uh, and even journaling itself, the process of writing stuff down has has massive benefits of clearing your head, especially with a, an emphasis on gratitude. So if, you, if you're looking to survive uh, at either a week off on holiday and you're one of those driven people, um, journaling can be really helpful. I'd say, you know, plotted into a, a routine. And these are all the kind of things we'd, we'd, we'd create a life plan for someone uh, for mitigating a risk. And the, the risk is that your, your health deteriorates in a time when you've lost that structure of work around you. So I think the advice that I'm taking away from today is one, don't enjoy myself too much on holiday and focus <laughs> on some productive things. But secondly, if you're on furlough or you've got other time to spare, start writing a book. 
pay attention. Everybody's got a book in them. Absolutely. You know, might, might be an ideal time. Okay, Absolutely. so yeah. I'm looking at the time now, and we've took up about half an hour of your time. Yeah. Just for the last few minutes, is there any last key messages you've got for downtown business members or the general public yeah. sort of wider from that? I have. Well, I, I think we're in a time of reset. I think the whole world is, is having a big reset. And I think it's a great time to reevaluate your priorities, sit down, look at your life, decide where you, know, you want to really spend your time, uh, decide where you want to spend your energy, who's, who's good for you, who's not. People who you've, you know, you've been in contact with during this lockdown time are probably the people who are most important to you. So it might be worth investing in those relationships. I think a lot of people have got out and started walking or doing more activity during this time. I would say use this time as a, as a template to try and build a structure for yourself so that when work kicks off again, you have those healthy things back in there again from this time. And if you do identify something in this time that is uh, a mental challenge that's risen, or read its ugly head, deal with that at source by getting some help from a psychologist or uh, from someone who's a mental health expert because uh, it's not going to go away, it's part of you, but learning to overcome that and live with it is probably the most important thing you can do to enjoy life and be successful in the future. Excellent, clear advice. Uh, Dr. Ben Sinclair of Optimise Health Clinic, based in Birmingham, I want to thank you for your time, for, uh, for coming to the Downtown in Business Den. I've been Paul Cadman, your chairman. I'm still Paul Cadman, the chairman of Downtown in Business. Thank you very much, Ben. Have a fantastic day. Thanks, Paul. Cheers. Yeah.